0: We've been spending a few weeks. Now, this kind of makes sense because it's seasonal, right? We're going to talk about Christmas around Christmas. That makes sense, you know. But we've been spending a few weeks talking about um, how we choose to celebrate Christmas, and honestly, a- about being intentional about um, worshiping Jesus at Christmas. Because that's not necessarily a mandate that we have to follow, you know. Um, but as Christians, as those who know Jesus, um, are job our opportunity our responsibility is to um, bring glory to him in this season of celebration and so um, I don't know how your Christmas has been I want to spend just a minute as we get into this um, topic today just giving God some praise and thanks for the awesome opportunities we've had to bless others and serve and celebrate who Jesus is Um, I, I told you it was probably one of the busiest Christmases that we've had as a family in a long time we were just going from one thing to the other Our actual family gatherings. I don't know if you're like us, but they're spread out. Some of them happen really early in December. Some of them are happening um, after, you know, not the New Year, but between after Christmas proper. Um, We kind of spread those. But then even during the time that we were together, um, we were able to go out and do the barn worship service, which was fantastic on Christmas Eve. I'm not sure if you saw any pictures or things of that, but those of you who were there, it was a really cool opportunity to worship together. Um, It had this ridiculous weather for it, you know, and it had rained. You know, there was mud out there anyway. It had rained, but if we had this kind of rain, it would have been a mess. Probably we would have been here at the middle school. <laughs> so it was awesome to do that. Um, we got to go out and sing Christmas carols with our friends at First Baptist Church on Christmas morning, which was awesome. They had us over for coffee and donuts, and we went out, and they had a bi-state bus. I don't know if you, anybody was there. I mean, you know, you saw it, but I'm not sure if you saw that thing driving around Highland, but it was hilarious. It was like a huge, like, downtown-worthy bi-state bus that they had polished up, for Christmas for us, which is amazing, you know. So we got to join them and go and sing uh, Christmas carols together, which was really cool. And then I we went over to the uh, we just popped in and out over at the luncheon that was being served at Faith Countryside Apartments. Didn't get to see the people when, when they were there, but I got to see the servers who were preparing all the food and kind of and. We were, to be honest with you, tired <laughs> by that point. And so we showed up there, and they said, we got more help than we need. You guys can take off. And I was like, praise God. <laughs> so we went home, and we hung out with our family and had a brunch there instead. And, uh, and so that was really cool. I, I don't know if you've had those opportunities, but I hope as we've been praying and talking about this season, um, you've seen the opportunities that God gives us all the time to just glorify him, right? Um, I, I've been thinking a lot, a lot lately about the difference between Um, witnessing and being a disciple right and this isn't about, this isn't going to tie necessarily to today's message, but I want to say that I've really been praying about that. And I think our opportunity to witness, I think we've kind of gotten, uh, our, and evangelism, by the way, which is the third thing, I think we've gotten this kind of weird view of what witnessing is, but but um, witnessing is just being ourselves wherever we are and letting Christ permeate that, you know. Uh, evangelism is a little different, bringing good news, but being a witness means just bearing the truth of who you are in all circumstances. And so we all have those opportunities to be a witness um, for Christ and just, allowing him to saturate those opportunities that we have. And um, I don't know what you've you've had maybe in your own life that have been opportunities for you to be a witness for Jesus this season. I'm sure they're not over like um, the rest of us, and I pray that we'll continue to, you know, make the most of those opportunities as God gives them to us um, in every way. So we're gonna um, spend this third week then in this series. I wanna do what we always do before we enter into uh, Scripture. I wanna pray that God would reveal his truth to us this morning through the word Um, this is not about um, me for sure not about family bible for sure it's about the lord uh, over the universe who is speaking into the lives of his people and even in settings like family bible church here in highland and even through people like me, who are so broken and flawed, that the Lord's uh, word speaks to our hearts and minds. So we want to ask for his inspiration um, to understand his word today. Pray with me if you would. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to worship, and now as we spend some intentional time seeing and hearing from you through your scripture that you've given to us, um, we pray that you would help us to have minds that are open to receive whatever teaching you have for us today, Father we don't come here um, with some human notion of the instruction that we must give, but we want to hear from you, we want to know you more, and we want to be able to um, live our lives differently because you're in it because you're in our lives. And so, would you help us to do that today? Would you help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear the great gospel truth of your scripture? Would you help us to um, have uh, minds to comprehend and hearts to, to obey the commands that you give us through your word? And uh, may we glorify you. Just, and you know what, Father, honestly, just to sit and listen to you today and let you be our great teacher. That's our desire. Will you do that work for your glory and for our good? We need you desperately for this. Would you help us today? In Jesus' name. Amen. So this, in this third, or four, third, third week, I think, in the series, um, we're talking about um, peace. And so I wanted you to, if you could grab a Bible and turn there, that'd be great. If you brought a Bible, um, it's Isaiah 9. And if you didn't, you can um, grab one of ours. It's on page 7, 479. And we're just going to read a few verses here. You'll notice on their screens it says uh, verses 1, 2, and 6, and 7. But we're going to kind of skip around a little bit in that. I just wanted to kind of give you the just to where we're going to be. Give you a second to get there. This is what the word says. This is Isaiah the prophet, right? And he says this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. And I want to skip down to verse two. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then now, six and seven. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Yahweh Almighty will accomplish this. This is a great scripture for Christmas, right? Um, It's a beautiful reminder of uh, the power and majesty of who Jesus is as he comes into the world, right? This great, great gift. And in this series about what Christmas is all about, it's kind of funny. I said it's a really big question, maybe you know, hard to answer. I'm not sure if that's fair to say. And uh, I was thinking, man, if we could um, find some, you know, great um, philosophers or thinkers that talk about that. No, I'm just kidding. You know I didn't think that, right? But I did find something I wanted to share with you. Um, we're going to walk through this Isaiah passage, but I wanted to share this with you. I found this as I was doing my preparation this week. Completely
1: open. Rats been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. (laughs) What a (laughs) treat! I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone? Who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people.
0: He says, that's what Christmas is all about. About, And uh, you've all seen that before, right? Check, check, check. There we go. You've all seen that before, right? That little clip, right? That's kind of classic, classic stuff there. Um, I, I don't know, like, to, today to have something like in the middle of a Christmas special stop and talk about Jesus is, is pretty radical. And um, I just love that little snippet because, by the way, let me just say this for the record. It's the dog that hurts the most. When people are laughing at you when your dog begins to laugh at you, like Snoopy there. I'm just saying. I watch that. I'm like, really, Snoopy, you? You know, anyway. Um, but it's the, uh, <laughs> I'm totally lost in Snoopy laughing at Charlie Brown now. But anyway, it's, this, it's the people who, who, who end up, you know, hurting you or who say, you know, what a loser, what a goofball, whatever, you know, like this idea of, um, I would say, you know, he has no peace here. He has no peace. And so I wanted to share that with you because um, it is this kind of great moment. Whenever we run out of all the stuff, you know what I mean? When the, when the tree's not right, when the gathering's not right, when life isn't going well, whenever we're out of everything else, and then you kind of cry out and say, does anyone know what this is really about? And then here in this cute cartoon, Lioness comes and says, I know what it's about. And he has this kind of moment, this powerful moment, where he, he's a witness to the truth of Christmas. Well, in the same way Isaiah the prophet's talking to um, people who are hurting, and you heard it there, it says, um, nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom. For those who were in distress, like it's a real, um, a a real situation they're facing, that they're really, really in trouble. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. I'll swap you. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light um, on those who are living. I mean, the word is so powerful, but it says, and on those who are living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And this is this kind of moment of this new proclamation of, of, a, of a new hope, a new way forward. I want to spend some time now going through these um, names that are given to the one that is so hopeful. It says in verse 6, for to us, by the way, I just got to say this, to us a child is born. To us a son is given. I mean, th- there's some real power in that it's not for um, others, and it's, it, it's a gift to us, like this coming of Jesus, this incarnation is for us, it's to us, and that's really powerful as well. But I want to spend some time talking about these four names that are attributed here, uh, and he will be called, this, this mighty king, he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Um, it's interesting because as you know and as you read your New Testament, you realize a lot of people did not think Jesus was who he claimed to be. It was a big offense. This text would have been for people who are watching for this new hope. The throne of David will be ruled on again. And here, there's these four attributes that are given. And I just want to spend a little bit of time kind of walking those out together. The first one it says is that it will be wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. And uh, the, the funny thing is that it's actually um, a, a, a counsel. Let I me mean, counseling wonder. There's a subtle shift there, but it's different, isn't it? Like that, it's a counseling wonder. That means that the first name that we recognize that this this, this new light, this new hope, is going to be bring about is a counseling that is awe-inspiring. That is that is an encouragement in our time of need, right? Um, you, we read it there, wonderful counselor, counselor is the noun, but in the original text, counselor is the verb, and, and wonderful is the noun. This week we had an awesome Bible study, of men's Bible study on Tuesday night. Um, we were there, and we were talking about the attributes of, not of God, but of sin, and how we have a tendency to be in awe of sin. And this actually verse says that's true of, it should be true of God. Like, he's the counselor who is awesome. He's the counselor that is, is perfect. The, the God with us, Emmanuel The birth narrative of Jesus is not about some old um, religion that's broken and can't help us in our time of need, but it's about a real and present Counselor or counseling that's wonderful, counseling that's a wonder, a marvel to our minds, and 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 that's the first idea. I don't know in your life, man. Have you and kind of as funny in this little video, but do you get that point where just you're you're done? You don't know where to turn anymore. You don't know what to do anymore. And the word promises from Isaiah the prophet that this coming son that's given to us will be wonderful, will be wonderful in our life, counseling us in our times of need. Uh, you might want to, um, you can stay here in Isaiah if you want, or we're going to push ahead into John. We're going to come back to this in a minute, but I wanted to show you this from the Gospel of John, because you might go, okay, but I want to be very concrete in what we're talking about when we talk about this, um, this name for, for Jesus here. And this is from John 16, verses 5 through 7. And the word says, this is, by the way, Jesus speaking. And the word says this. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I I have said these things. You are filled with, look what it says, grief. Grief, isn't that funny? You know, good grief, Charlie Brown, right? But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you goes on. This mighty gift of God that comes in Christ Jesus comes in his presence. Some things I've been doing lately, sometimes we have a tendency, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I understand that theologically, right? But there's a truth that the Spirit that comes to us at the time of salvation is the Spirit of Jesus. That there's no separation in who God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are. It's one God. He's one God and so this wonderful counselor this counseling wonder is the gift that we have in Jesus at Christmas this spirit that dwells in us and we have a tendency and this is what i would say we have a tendency to divorce the the triune god from one another which was is not heard of in scripture. We have a tendency to say, well, this is the work of the Holy Spirit and this is the work of Jesus and this is the work of God the Father. But the truth is that it's God incarnate, that in Jesus, all our hopes and dreams are met, you know, that the reality, by the way, I have been blown away by the theological accuracy of Christmas carols. (laughs) Some of them, right? True Christmas carols. The words are beautiful. You see, we have in Jesus this counseling wonder, this indwelling spirit that he promised he would give us. He says, no, it's better that I go away so that I can send the counselor to you. And later he says that the counselor will give you my words, his presence in our lives. This is the first name, counseling wonder. The second is mighty God, right? Mighty God. And it's this real power in our lives, not a theoretical or, or, or theological or whatever, you know, philosophical um, uh, power. It's, it's about being amongst men, right? But, but, but God amongst men, dwelling among us and, and living among us. And then this is what's kind of awesome. It's really awesome, actually. Is that all of a sudden, if we begin to understand and that in our lives, that God is not just working in my life, his glory and my good, but if you believe in Jesus, he's working in your life for your good and his glory in the same way. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize that this spirit that impermeates is this mighty God working among us in our lives. It's about real world results from a God who is living, dwelling among his people, changing us by his presence. I can't quite get to it, the Hebrew, but it's very much about incarnation this mighty god and and not incarnation only in jesus's life but in the life of his people and his church his bride those that he's saving it's about real world results in our lives the mighty god living among us this great light in darkness this great hope in times of despair that god is at work in a real way in our lives So that's the second is mighty God. The third is funny because actually NIV says everlasting Father, but the scripture says everlasting. Right? So you got counseling wonder, you got mighty God, you have everlasting. His name will be called everlasting. He he doesn't quit. He has no beginning or end. I feel like we talk about this so much, it's like, I get it, man. But no, really, it blows my mind and ought to blow your mind that he's eternal. That what we have in this manifestation of Jesus is not something new, and there's heresy in that, right? That, that we think, well, there's a new thing. No, that, that this is the eternal God, the everlasting, and that's how he'll be known. And then when everything is said and done, when every tongue is silenced and all the world ceases to speak, at that point, everlasting be known. Still the same. This is the names he'll be known by, everlasting. So many people in Jesus' life, You know, you think about, if you think about the practical incarnation of Jesus, immediately upon his showing up, people wanted to end his life. They wanted him gone off the planet, get rid of him, you know, as if it was doable. And then his whole life he lives, and he has obscurity for many years, and then he comes into his ministry, and almost immediately, when he begins to truly preach the gospel, the kingdom of God near us, people want to kill him because all they want is to put a stop to what the Bible says is eternal. And then you walk on through his life, and even in the crucifixion of Jesus, which we have our cross up here every Sunday because we always recognize that he paid this price for us, and and this is this moment where the sin of the world meets the eternal grace of God, and we think that's the moment that he was put to death. He was stopped. You know, Pilate washes his hands. It's over, but it wasn't over. And then then in, in resurrection, he comes, and again, he's known as Everlasting, everlasting. And then maybe even in your own life. say, well, Jesus, I'll follow you. How far? How long? Am I done yet? Can we stop now? He'll be known as everlasting, which is beautiful and great because if you take confidence in him, if you take rest in him, you begin to realize that he's everlasting. All of a sudden, people who find themselves in distress and darkness have a hope that does not stop, does not end, because his name is everlasting. And then the last is this, Prince of Peace. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. Jesus is the prince of peace. That's what the, the word says. Again, just a little bit of Hebrew here. In the first testament, it would be shalom. And shalom is a bit different than the peace that we all understand. Um, shalom is this idea of wholeness or completeness. The, when you wish shalom upon someone, you wish them more than just um, relief from the stresses of the day. Uh, you know what I mean? Kick back, feet up, you know, take it easy. That's what we all think of peace. Shalom is more in that it's a completeness, a full manifestation. And what's really interesting about that name for Jesus is that if, if, if the goal is this wholeness, he's the ruler of the goal, which means in our life, our totality of our lives, in those areas that we, we would rather have relief, often it doesn't come that way because it's about this shalom, this completeness, this full gift of God to be present with us. Indeed, the way you could say this is that Jesus is the ruler of wholeness in our lives. I've told you, man, and this is like, I told you before that too often we are more easily satisfied, far more easily satisfied than God. We go, this is good enough. This is as good as it's gonna get. Nothing better can happen, nothing better. And and yet he persists in leading us. If you've been here a while, you know I always call it circle on the block, you know? You think, well, I've dealt with that. I don't need to worry about those problems anymore. I don't need to, I, you know what? And, and we even do it fake in the church, you know what I mean? Like we even do it where we say, you know, hey man, Jesus is in charge, but it's a cop out Jesus in charge. It's not a Jesus in charge, like Jesus is in charge. It's, it's like Jesus is in charge, like whatever. But he, every time I'm telling you that we think we're through that, he brings us a background in his love and mercy and he says, we are not done here because shalom is not here he's the ruler of shalom he will continue to grow us and mature us and as much as we might see peace as being a, a pulling back or removing he he will lead us into those places that we need to be engaged and growing ultimately for our our wholeness i just love that idea that he is the maker of wholeness so then we talk about this prince of peace and what does that mean we actually sang a song this morning you know a little baby lying in a manger it's beautiful. It's just a picturesque moment. It's a glorious night. It's funny because in the, in the New Testament, the church gets instructions about peace, many, many, many instructions about peace and what peace looks like in our lives. I want to share with you from Galatians. You can turn it if you want. You don't have to. Um, we'll have it up on the screens. All right. Um, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Most of you probably know these verses, actually, from memory, but this Prince of Peace, this ruler, right? We're going to tie us together. Um, one more page here. Is for the church. And this is what the word says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law, right? And you know this in context, talking about living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. But here is the reality that this peace that this shalom that Jesus brings to our life is a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a manifestation of the reality of God's presence in our lives. Someone has well said that peace is not the absence of difficulty. It's an underlying confidence despite difficulty. And that's a hard thing to get at. Um, we were out at the barn service, night, and uh, we had A, a donkey. Someone said that wasn't the first time we had a donkey at service. I think they are talking about me. <laughs> they really said that to me. <laughs> and, um, and we had sheep. There were like four, I think, wasn't there four? Who was there? Was there four sheep? Yeah, four sheep in the pen. And um, the, the sheep were in this pretty constrained area. And so after the service was over, I wanted to go over, and I wanted, I wanted to pet the sheep, you know? And so uh, I would go, and I reached, and those things were freaking out, man. Did anybody try to pet the sheep? And this is what's crazy. I mean, I can't... This is what's crazy. So we did this little thing because I saw someone else doing it. And you do that, they come over. And they're like this. Real? They're... uh, uh And then you go... And they're like... Ah, you know? They were full of anxiety. <laughs> they were... I mean, seriously. And when one ran, they all ran. And they ran right into the wall as far away from you as they could get. And I thought, man, isn't that what it looks like when, when God approaches us, wants to know us. He's like, come here, come here. And you go, okay, okay. And then when he reaches, we're like, ah, I'm so scared. We have a tendency. What does this peace shalom look like for those who have Christ as Savior, the great shepherd? And I think that that's a great illustration of this fighting that carnal tendency to be afraid, to be afraid when the world comes at you, when things are going wrong. We want to run away. We freak out. We scream. We bleat. You know? No, they don't even bleed it, but you know what I'm saying? Like you get all anxious and you start to scream, and then the other sheep start to scream, and everyone's freaking out. And it's a lack of peace. But the word says that the fruit of the spirit, the product, the result of Jesus in our life, is that we have peace. It's a gift of God. And, and if nothing else, the fact that we can take some confidence that he's the ruler of our wholeness, our peace, he is the prince of peace, and that his spirit that he sends to us, that indwells us, brings about fruit of peace, that we should have some comfort in being, um, becoming more comfortable, more at peace in spite of perceived threats in our life. I hope that makes sense to you, this reality that we live in with Jesus. When you come to know him as Savior, you are given his spirit. And his spirit brings fruit of peace in our lives. Then there's even more, though. If you turn to, uh, I'll have this on the screen as well for you, I think, here. Um, one more. Ephesians. You can turn there if you want as well. But you don't have to. You can look out on the screens and see what the word says. Ephesians 4, 3. Peace is more than that because peace is something that binds together. It's a bond of the people of God, right? And then... Um, In Ephesians 4, 3, the word says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit, interesting, right? Through the bond of peace, through this bond of peace. In other words, it's not that you try to keep a peace among you, but there is a bond of peace between brothers and sisters in Christ. As a matter of fact, if I back up a little bit and read the context, Paul says this in verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord... So he's in jail, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and then he says, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as those who know Christ as Savior Not only do we have this um, manifestation of the Spirit, this fruit of peace in our lives, it ought to be speaking to us. Do you know what I mean? When we're the sheep freaking out, it ought to be speaking. But we have a kinship amongst one another, a bond of peace between us. In Jesus' name. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. One God, one Savior, one Spirit, one Emmanuel among us. There's, There's work to be done there, right? It says... This gift of peace is a bond for believers, the reality in our lives. And then the other thing that I wanted to share with you is, um, so we ha- have this um, fruit of the Spirit, we have this bond amongst believers that we ought to as a, have this peace that's from Jesus that it binds us together and causes us to be unified in His Spirit. Um, but then, the, I, I, what really tri- my trigger in this whole thing was, if you read the Gospels, when Jesus shows up, especially in ways that are shocking, he almost always starts with what? Don't be afraid or peace. Because the reality of him showing up in our lives caused us to kind of freak out. Oh, what's going on? This is unheard of. This is unknown. And Jesus would always say, or often say, peace, peace. That this great ruler of shalom, this great prince of peace, the eternal, everlasting, mighty God, counseling wonder, when he comes, he says, it's, it's me, Take heart. It's me. So we have this peace that Jesus commands upon his presence. Again, I don't know if you're like me in this, but I have a tendency to get like way off in a ditch on stuff. And, and I'm freaking out. And the more I freak out, the more I get freaked out. And in that moment of crisis, that moment of pleading, that moment of desperation, you know, what is life all about? You know, Charlie Brown's asking this smaller question, what's life all about? He reaches in and he says, wait, peace. Do you remember? I'm the counseling wonder? Do you remember I'm the everlasting? Jesus says peace when he comes into our lives. I want to close with three more thoughts here from, uh, from Jesus' own life here. Uh, the first is in the Gospel of Matthew, I believe is where I'm going to go. Yeah, Matthew 10, verse 34. Jesus, his own words here. Do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. What? Wait a minute. Didn't you just say the ruler of Shalom? <laughs> didn't, didn't you just say prince of peace? What? I have not come to bring peace? Isn't it amazing that some of the times that um, the disciples most needed to hear Jesus say, don't be afraid, fear not, is when the eternal is breaking into the temporal, you know? When your world is rocked, you don't know what's happening anymore. Jesus' instructions here aren't contradictory, although it might seem that way at first. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. You brought a sword? What? A sword? Um, It's all in the details, isn't it? Verse 34 says, Don't suppose or assume that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Isn't that interesting? Just like those first century uh, Hebrews who saw Jesus, began to hope in Jesus, and then immediately got offended when Jesus came in such a humble way, whenever he gave his life on the cross. That's no kind of king. That's no kind of ruler. They wanted a king who would bring peace here, now, immediately, to me, in this life. And Jesus says, no, I I didn't come to bring peace to this earth. Don't assume that. I came to bring a sword. I'm gonna read a little more. I've come to turn a man against his father, or a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those are Jesus' words. So you say, How is that peace? Jesus, what did you come to do? Destroy families? Divide households? I found that... Um, this, the word, the sword, is the word to me. It divides the most innermost being. It, it, it cuts into our lives. It forces us to rethink everything that we believe to be true when we read the scripture. We must contend with what God has said. Jesus himself in his own life, lest you think I'm making this up, Jesus himself would say, have you not read? Do you not know? Even whenever those who read and knew rejected him, he said, you obviously don't understand. Because if you did, you would know me. Because the word's about me. See, we can read that, and we can say, well, he came to, to, to cut apart, but he came to save. He didn't, he didn't come to play nice, and he didn't come to give us peace here. He came to bring a necessary um, healing to our lives. You must know God. You must know Jesus. And this is his own confession. Don't assume I've come to bring you peace. All of a sudden, you say, now, wait a minute then. Because we started with this whole thing about, you know, the people living in darkness came a great light. You're like, wait a minute, though. Oh, how does that really ap- apply? He came to bring a, a sword, right? He, he didn't come to bring peace this, this time. Can you imagine a less loving act than for someone to know that you're b- broken, lost, sinning, suffering, and not? And, and, and the, the, the salve they would apply is to say, it's going to be okay, don't worry about it. Versus getting in there and, and removing the infection. See, that's, that's the work of Jesus. Not to be like, ah, stay in darkness. No, I came to be light. Too many of us, I'm just trying to get to a practical point. Too many of us think, Jesus, if you don't bring me peace right now. I, and, then, and then we turn that into what? Uh, I'm not sure that you're there or real. See, we turn into an ultimatum for God. The eternal, we, temporal, challenge him, the everlasting. Because of our temporary suffering. What did he say at the end? No, if you're not willing to suffer with me, you're not worthy of me. This life, I'm gonna get into the next verse here. Look at it. John 16, 33. Oops, I went way too far. (laughs) Yeah. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, again, he never says you're gonna have peace right now. Take heart, I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that you might have peace, right? Look at what it says in context if you're there. You don't have to turn there. At last you believe, Jesus said, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me all alone. Yet I am never alone because my Father is with me. And I've told you these things so that you might have peace because in this life you're going to have trouble. But take heart, be encouraged, because I have have present tense reality right now overcome the world you see all of a sudden we begin to have a deeper understanding of this peace that jesus brings because it's a peace in spite of current suffering it's an eternal glory being revealed and even in our own lives when he lovingly comes and challenges and chastises us as his children it's for our eternal uh, good one more stop here philippians you can turn there if you want as well Philippians 4. God is so good. All right, let's see here. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul says to the churches, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Right? So he's like, don't be skittish. Don't be anxious. Don't be bleeding sheep. Don't be freaking out. Don't do that stuff. But instead, with Prayers and petitions and thanksgiving present your request to God. Make, have a conversation with Jesus about what you're going through. And the peace of God, now here's what's crazy, which transcends all understanding, all rationality, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, many of us have come to believe a false gospel, that the absence of suffering is the presence of God, that abundant blessing is evidence of his presence. But that's not a, a concept known to the biblical um, narrative of Jesus. No, Paul says, don't be anxious. There's an assumption that things are happening. Don't let your hearts be troubled, but instead, talk to God about it. And a peace that surpasses all understanding, all understanding will be given, you know, what you'll have in your life. It will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. So I don't know if what you believe in your life, right? I mean, with you. I'm, I'm always rethinking, what, what do I think this is really about, this Jesus thing? What is he showing me it's truly about? Maybe you're like me and you start to think trouble coming is a sign of absence of God, that the difficulties the struggles, our job is to, to, to be as far away from those as possible, or that having difficulties and struggles makes us a bad Christian. Well, God obviously must not, you don't know Jesus. You can't. Your life is messed up. you got too many problems. That's not what the word is said, though. Where in your life do you need peace? Where do you need a peace that transcends all understanding? Wait a minute. Where do you need to have a peace from God, a shalom from the ruler that supersedes your current circumstance, that gives you hope beyond the current momentary crisis of our lives? Because, see, that is what Christmas is about. It's really funny. um, We were having a conversation in our family, in our household, about um, if you get, you know, we have these, I don't know if you have these philosophical conversations, but if you get to the end of your life, really, honestly, this came out of a conversation about how temporary our lives are. You know, you're a breath away from death. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could have one bad minute, and that's, and you're out of here. And so we were having a conversation in our family about if our last breath was next, will we be satisfied with our life? What we have, what we feel, you know what I'm saying? Like this was a conversation we were having with it. Man, if our next breath was our last, would we be satisfied with our life so far? And man, we started to kind of talk about dreams and hopes and plans and aspirations and the shortness of life and the need to get on and, you know, this, and, and there was this over, overwhelming sense that Um, somehow it's been squandered, that somehow it's not been, you know, it's always about uh, not having been good enough or not having done enough or not having, you know, experienced enough because the time is fleeting and friends, this could be it. This could be your last Sunday in a middle school, God willing. (laughs) Uh, No, right? And we really began to walk that out. And, And then as we were talking about it, the eternal broke in and said, yes, if this is all there is, then you had better get to living. If this life is all you got, and you look back on your life, and your next breath is your last, and you say, was that worth it? You might say, no, I didn't get to do everything I wanted to do. I I wasn't all together yet. But, friends, now listen to me. The gospel that Jesus came to proclaim, the gospel that the cross proclaims, the gospel that the resurrected Lord who showed up amongst his people and said, fear not, it's me, is not a gospel that's temporary for this life, peace right now. But it's an eternal gospel, the everlasting. And if in that moment you have, you are not standing on the, my next breath is my last, but you are now on the other side of death, and that breath was my last. And you look, and in every direction you see Jesus, and you look back to those moments here, and you say, was it worth it? That's different math. That's different math. Because all of a sudden it doesn't come about, (laughs) What did we experience or what did we know or it was about? Did we honor God? Wow. Did, did we see that moment that he broke through? Did, did, we, did we recognize our anxiety and fear as sinners when he reached out his hand? He was like, come here. Come here. I love you. I'm not going to hurt you. Do we understand the profound nature of God coming in the flesh, the incarnation? When you stand on this side, it's different math. Was it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, because you're on that side. <laughs> Standing with Jesus, is it worth it? I want to do something kind of silly. I appreciate your patience this morning. But I want to share something interesting about this little Charlie Brown video. I want to show it to you one more time. But before I do, I want to just point out something. This is craziness because it's a cartoon. It's so funny, so silly. But two things that strike me about Charlie Brown, about this testimony of Linus, is first of all, he had all the time He needed. I don't know if you noticed that, but whenever he, he says, I know what it's about, and if that was me, and that was an evangelism moment, you better get to the, really hurry up, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he takes that time and he walks. How much silence is that? It's like three or four seconds. In a kid's cartoon, you could lose people right there. <laughs> Walk into the center of the stage. Lights, please. No. That's one thing. Watch, watch intentionally the framing of this conversation. Um, it's removed. It's separate. It's holy. It's not about the noise and the fear and anxiety. And speaking of fear, do you know that in, in Linus' life, and I didn't know this, I did not know this, Linus' life, <laughs> um, he always had that stupid blanket and he always had his thumb in his mouth. Blanket, you know. Uh, why do you do that? Comfort, comfort, comfort. And this, I want to show it to you again, but I want you to watch because in this moment when Linus says the words fear not, he drops his blanket. And someone who was a non-believer said, I wonder if Shelton did that on purpose or was that an accident? And I'm thinking, you don't do anything by accident. You know, if you're creating something, there's no accident. So watch this. I'm
1: completely hopeless. rats! You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth mm-hmm. peace, good will toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie
0: Brown. Isn't that interesting? So the question, when I think about peace and Christmas is, what, what blanket do you and I need to let go of, I mean, individually in our lives? What are the things that I cling to more than Jesus, that I, I, I say when the Lord says, I'm speaking, and I say, yeah, but I, I need this. If you do this... I'll have peace. What act of God is required that we can say, open our hand and say, fear not. The Lord is with us. Want to spend some time praying and reflecting on that thought? We believe that God is living and active and uses all things for his glory. So I invite you to enter into prayer this morning with me. Father, you are uh, the counseling wonder. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting. And you are the prince of peace. in our lives, Father, we confess that we are like those sheep and we are so afraid. And we are so uncertain. And this life those things at us that we don't think we're ready for. Father, would you reveal to us what our security blankets are that are not you? Would you show us the things that we cling to more tightly, that, that we make conditional, that we make conditional upon obedience and belief in you? Would you help us to let go of those things today? I don't know what it is today for each person, that there are these things that we cling to that we say are required, because we know the truth says that it is only you that's required, that only in you can we have peace. Father, as the storm literally comes around us and as the, our life sometimes feels that chaos, we need you to be our security. Would you teach us through your spirit your truth? Father, we also admit that we are living in this now and not yet time of darkness, of brokenness and of sin in our own lives, and yet we know that we do take heart because you have already in reality, overcoming the world, that these momentary troubles are passing away and that your glory is breaking through. Father, for the work you're doing, we give you thanks and praise. We pray that we would be submitted unto you. We pray that we would worship and proclaim you alone. We pray that we would let go of the junk that we think we have to have and we would cling to you, our Lord, our Savior, our completer in this life. Father, we'd be praise and glory for that reality. We thank you for um, the fact that you have removed the barrier that kept us from you and that you've invited us in as your children, that you've invited us into your house to worship you and to celebrate you. And then lastly, Father, as we consider our lives and what, what it's about, will you help us to see our lives from an eternal perspective? Will you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to think bigger than we can without you, that we, we can't know without you? Would you help us to put our lives in the scale and scope of your majesty and then be obedient because of our confidence in your majesty and not our requirement. You're so good. We just give you praise and glory. I pray that all of us together would resubmit ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.